Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 280. Ali Henick is a CEO and the founder of Nena & Co. It started with an appreciation for her Guatemalan culture and exploring the country with her mother, learning about the beautiful handwoven textiles and the people who create them. Now, these fabrics, the weavers, and the culture are the foundation of her business, and she's created this line of limited edition handbags and accessories that her fans, myself included, cannot wait to purchase. And her business, it serves an even greater purpose in the countries that inspired the business to begin with. I wanted to ask Allie about the start of her business, how it's evolved, how she stays true to her why, and the mission to provide reliable and sustainable income opportunities for the artisans that help create her amazing products. But I also want to dive into some of the behind the scenes, like how running a limited edition product business really looks, because it's something that Allie and Nana and Co. do so well. This episode is rich and clear with actionable advice for purpose-driven business and the ins and outs of growing a company that has a limited edition product model. I have been a fan of Nena & Co. and a customer for years and years and years. And so without further ado, here is my friend, Allie Henick. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. Self-made millionaire and marketing guru, Jenna Kutcher, will help you redefine what success looks like. It's time to hear from the experts, listen in on honest conversations, and learn the best tips and tricks that helped others pave their own way and craft their dream career. If you're ready to dig in, do the work, and tackle your biggest goals, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, photographer, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. Hey, bookworms, you are going to love this because Audible is supporting the Gold Digger podcast. Start listening with a 30-day trial and your first audiobook plus two Audible originals for free when you go to audible.com slash gold digger or just text gold digger to 500-500. Thanks to BarkBox for supporting Gold Digger. BarkBox is a subscription service that delivers a selection of treats and toys for your dog, right to your doorstep each month. For an extra month of BarkBox when you subscribe to a six or 12 month plan, visit BarkBox.com slash Gold Digger. 
Oh, Allie, it is time for you to finally be on the podcast. Welcome to the Gold Digger podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So last night, as I was preparing for our interview, I was literally going through the archives of like old hard drives to find when we first partnered, which was years and years and years ago. And so (laughs) it's kind of amazing now that we get to sit and have this conversation on air and talk because I have truly been a longtime fan of your work in your business. And so today we get to share that with all of the community who I'm sure many have already heard of you. So welcome to the show. Thank you. This is just amazing dream come true for me. So I'm happy to be here. Well, let's do this. So I know so much about you before we jumped (laughs) on air. I was like, how did you keep your children alive? You can tell more about why that context matters. But kind of give us just a little glimpse into your story. Where did it all start? And what do you do today? So a little bit about me. I didn't get married until I was about 31. Well, I was 31. And I had been in corporate America for a long time, which I found to be in my experience was pretty hostile. It was like male dominated work environment. When I got married, I felt like it was kind of like this fresh start. Like I was going to move from Utah to California where my husband, you know, my fiance lived and we were going to start our life there. It just felt like I could do whatever I wanted. It just, it felt like an opportunity to say, what do I want to do now? And we knew we wanted to have kids. So we actually, you know, being, I was 31 and he was already, already, I like to tease him about his age. He was 37, (laughs) I think. And so we were ready. We were ready to get started. We loved each other, but we actually didn't know we were going to have infertility issues. So it took us about three years to get pregnant. And when we finally did. It was with triplets that are now (laughs) (laughs) three years old. And, but in the meantime, I kind of like, I needed something to do. Like I needed something with meaning. I needed to take something. I needed to get my mind off of like, if anybody who's struggled with infertility knows how, like how hard it is on you physically, mentally, emotionally, financially. I loved travel. I've, I had traveled to over 60 countries, you know, throughout my life at that point. And I was really just wanting to connect with family again. So I'm half Guatemalan. I had gone back to Guatemala with my husband a few times and what I had realized, and I mean, I love my family. I love where I'm from. I love my heritage. And when I would go to these places when I travel, I'd see that like there were these beautiful textiles. I had, you know, a a somewhat, you know, good knowledge of how they were made by, by hand on backstrap looms, embroidered, whatever. They were beautiful. And so like telling of the people that made them and where they were from. And I would buy these textiles, whatever it was like a runner or a blanket or, you know, in Guatemala it would be like a wipil, which is a Mayan woman's shirt. And you take them home and you just kind of don't really know what to do with them. They're like so beautiful, but like you don't know how to incorporate it into your life. And I thought that I could take something that was so beautiful, that memento from, you know, whatever country you're visiting. For me, it was Guatemala. And I could turn it into something that was a little bit more useful and people would find more value in, you know, in the United States. So I started my company, Nana & Co., that is a socially conscious brand. It's a slow fashion company that focuses on textiles, working with indigenous people 
all over the world, but mostly Guatemala, Morocco, Ghana, and soon to be Mexico. We're working Mm -hmm. on opening up Mexico. But basically, I wanted to pay homage to the artisans, these indigenous artisans, and give them an opportunity to to showcase their culture, their art, the beauty in, in handmade and what they do. And I wanted to basically frame that with a high quality product. So I'm talking about like turning it into like a bag with beautiful leather, really good hardware. And I created a brand around it that basically just brought it all together. Like brought the artisans and the culture and the authenticity and creating a product that was like true to where it comes from. And I kind of used my family background to do that because it's what I knew. So it was, so yeah, does that, do you think that explains it? Oh yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's like so much in one thing. And what's so amazing is if you guys saw on my Instagram, even just in the last few months, I had this beautiful, beautiful baby carrier. And so many people Mm -hmm. had told me to try the ring sling. And I was like, I don't know what that even means, but sure. (laughs) But anyways, you've done some amazing collaborations and stuff, but everyone is obsessed with these textiles, myself included. Like I was like, Ali, how long can I use this for? Because I need yeah. one. And so, yeah. yeah, so I'm not going to throw you under the bus, but I want to share a little bit about your heart because I can speak to it in a new way. Before mm-hmm. our call, I was like, hell, your website looks so good. And you were like, actually, we're like redoing the whole thing. And I'm like, why? It's like beautiful. And you go, there's so much information that I want people to get before they mm-hmm. like browse products. And To me, that speaks so much to your heart because as business owners, we're always looking at like profit, profit, profit. And and that's beautiful. We need that to run these companies. But at the same point too, the mission behind what you do is so much at the forefront of your thought process that it comes before the product. So talk to me a little bit about how you created this business that is so multifaceted. There's so many different levels of involvement in it. Like walk me through that because it sounds really complicated to me. It's complicated to me too. (laughs) So I always say that I, our goal is to connect the consumer or the customer to the artisan, to the maker of the product. Mm -hmm. So when you, you know, I want you to be able to look at our products and initially it just has to catch your eye. You have to love something about the way it looks. And then I want, I want that you know, the price point, it's about three to $500 a handbag mm-hmm. for our best-selling items. And it can be a sticking point from people for some people. So I want you to think it's beautiful, of course, but then I also want you to know the meaning behind it and its purpose. And then feel like, I feel good about this. Like I, you know, I feel good about where my money is going. And so for you to to have a product and to feel connected. There's so many steps in manufacturing and we manufacture ourselves. And so I know all those steps and it's really like from purchasing the thread to dyeing the thread, to getting it to the weavers, to getting it to, you know, it turns into fabric. And then, you know, we figured it's transported to our headquarters in Antigua and then it's turned into bags. And, you know, that doesn't even speak to the custom leather that we do to the person that's assembling the bag, the leather craftsman, everybody has has a story. And so when you think of it that way, the journey of the bag to get to you, there's a lot to be said, you know, who's, who's the woman dyeing the fabric? Who's the woman that, that learned how to weave 
the fabric on a backstrap loom kneeling on the ground that was taught by her mother and her mother was taught by her mother. There's so much heritage and, and story to be told, like I said. So I like to think of ourselves as visual storytellers mm-hmm. because your audience usually doesn't give you that much time. And so visually, how do you tell all that in just a few seconds of somebody (laughs) new getting on your website and saying, oh my gosh, this means so much. It means so much. And like, I have to have it and I can relate to that. We also want that. We We want you to feel like you can relate to the stories we're telling. And it's my belief that like, I've traveled so much and what I found and I loved it. it, it felt like its own, you know, like, school, the school, like to travel, I learned so much about myself. And I learned that like, as humans, and as women, we're so different, of course, we all have our own, you know, thumbprint, and we're all different. But we have so much in common, we all experience joy and pain and suffering and happiness and like, you know, the miracle of birth, but also like the struggles of, you know, you go through with your children and your husband and financial issues. So that's really the connection I want to people to feel is like that these are humans. We're all humans and, and we have that in common. And, and I I like to say things like more humans, less machines, because these aren't machines that are making our products It's actually, it's like, there's so many faces that are crafting your bag and I want you to know them. And I don't want you to like buy it and, you know, onto the next thing. I want you to like love it and experience something when you open your package. So, so that's what I mean is like, how do you get all that in like one hero shot? Yeah. (laughs) When you figure that out, will you let us know? (laughs) Yeah, I'll get back to you on that. (laughs) You know, what's so funny is I had an event in Santa Monica and one of the girls showed up and she had one of your bags and I was like, Oh my gosh, is this a Nana and Co? And she's like, yes, I've had it for years. And I was like, today's world where everything is disposable and everything is on to the next thing. It was honestly one of the most refreshing things to hear. So I just want you to know that that mission is being carried out by the women that you're reaching, because I believe that you have built a brand where it is so clear who your girl is and what they care about, which I think is really hard to do. Thank you. Big compliment. Yeah. So <laughs> one thing I'm kind of curious about, and, and I feel like a lot of listeners here are probably wondering is nowadays, it's very common to see brands that, you know, give back or they're tied to a mission. And, and I think it's amazing. I think that our generation mm. desires change and that we are understanding and learning that we need to be the change makers. And I know that for a lot of people, it can be really hard to figure out like, what is that tie? Like, how do I make a difference with my business? Like, do you have any advice on that? Because your business is so intertwined with that idea. But for somebody Mm. that's just starting to like scratch the surface on that idea, what would you say? That it's so true. Being a socially conscious brand is it seems like it's become this really trendy thing. And I, and I'm okay with that. Like I I like it, use it for sure. I think that I like to make it really clear that we are a for-profit company. We're not a nonprofit, but for me, what is important to me. So instead of giving tips, I'm just going to tell you what's important to me. (laughs) What's important to me is that everyone in this process of my product is treated fairly. Mm -hmm. So it took me a while to figure out how I was going to 
I guess what kind of company I was going to be. I think that a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of us head down a path. We think we know what our goal is and other things come up along the way that kind of like they change our path and it's, it can be for the better. So when I would be open to keep your options open of like what you're okay with and what's important to you. Cause you'll learn a lot along the way and it might change. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was that I had to know that every hand that touched my product was being treated fairly. And although we're not a fair trade certified brand, we have had um, several meetings with them because we've wanted to you know, become that and be considered for that. So we know all of the standards. And so one of the things we realized is that we already were a fair trade brand Mm. without the certification. We were taking the amount of funds we were taking responsibly and giving back to our, not only like our employees, but the communities we work in with the weavers and with where our bags are made in Antigua, giving back to the hospitals, to the schools, to, you know, scholarship funds that we put together. We do it responsibly. And so I say that responsibly, meaning it's not a one and done. I've done those before. Like I've done service projects in Uganda where like we go and build a library and we're, we're trying to do all these things. And it's awesome. And it's a wonderful thing to do, a great experience. But what change makers want is consistency Mm -hmm. and something that's duplicatable. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to make sure if we offered a scholarship that we could get them all the way through school. It wasn't just a semester. And if we were going to offer some sort of like healthcare plan, it was going to you know, be a consistent one that they can rely on and that it wasn't like, I'm going to start on this, you know, plan to get my health back, but then I can't finish it (laughs) or whatever. So I think what you should consider is how to finish your projects because leaving open-ended ones or ones where the people themselves can't continue it without you there. Like that meaning, like, not that I have to be there all the time. Like, that's what I mean is that I personally don't have to be there to run the program that I can find a local person that can continue it and run the system and make sure that it's working without me physically there. So of course, you know, you're creating monetary income that can support it, but like that you physically don't have to be there. I think that's what communities really, really need. Another thing we're doing is with the weavers, we have Weavers are more like freelance for us. Our employees in Guatemala are mainly like leather craftsmen and accessories, seamstresses and like pom-pom makers, that type of thing that are actually on our payroll that we have like, we like to offer those programs to like education and we rebuilt people's homes that got destroyed during the volcano, access to a doctor on site, that type of thing. But for our weavers that are more like freelance employees or contractors, we are helping them build their own businesses. So for example, the way it works in Guatemala specifically is that, and Morocco, is that you'll find your head weaver and then they have their network of weavers. And then it becomes almost like this community thing. It becomes a community business, really. They're so remote and so hard to get to and don't know how to, a lot of them didn't know how to like even calculate the cost of what they're Mm -hmm. doing. And so I feel like it's my responsibility to not I would never want to take advantage of them for a lot of reasons. Like 
I want to continue doing business with them. I want them, their lives to be better because of, you know, my brand. I want them to better their communities and provide better lives for their children. So we'll take the time to educate them on how to calculate their time to make their process faster. So for example, I'll tell you a quick story. I was meeting with a group of weavers and, you know, in the middle of nowhere in Guatemala, like, you know, eight hours away from where I my headquarters are off into dirt roads and, and then a bit of a hike walking to their house. And I was there to receive a small order I had placed. And these women that loom on a backstrap, they can only loom as wide as their, their hips. Mm. And I asked for something that was like 18 inches or something like that. And I can't remember how long. And I was going through them and I had my measuring tape and I was kind of looking at them and I'm like, okay, well, I have a question. So this one is, you know, you know, 36 inches long and this one is 32 and this one's 34. And there was just so many discrepancies. And I said, can you tell me what's going on? And she goes, oh yeah, it's just that like, I'm shorter than her and she's taller than me. And I'm like, kind of like, well, I don't understand what you're saying. And she goes, oh, well, like my arm's length is how I calculate it a yard. And so, so her arm is longer than mine and mine's shorter. That's why. And she goes, my thumbprint is how we calculate an inch. And, you know, pinky to thumb is six inches. And so I'm kind of like, I can't believe I didn't even ask if you have a measuring tape, you know, like, so part of it is like, let me give you embroidery hoops. Let me, you know, let me at least print the pattern for you when we do embroidery so that there's not so many discrepancies when I receive the patterns back. And let me, you know, I've tried to give them more of the idea of a process and the materials they need to grow their businesses. So even doing that, I mean, they've been able to produce more and make more money because I'm enabling them to, to do that. And so things like that are things that you could do. It's actually a really small thing. Like I've provided materials for them to grow their business. Like that's something that you can really, you should tell your customers, like they are growing their business because I'm helping, you know, I was able to ask the right questions. It's a super simple thing. So I think look for opportunities on how you can like toot your own horn basically. And it, it works in so many ways because it really, it grows your own business. It grows their business. It feels really good. And you can tell your customers about it. And it's the truth. There's so many good things to it. Back to this conversation in just a moment. I have to thank BarkBox for supporting this episode. Visit BarkBox.com slash Gold Digger for a free extra month of BarkBox when you subscribe to a six or a 12 month plan. I mean, your dog is going to be thrilled. BarkBox is a subscription service that delivers treats and toys for your dog right to your door every single month. They paw pick the best all natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and and heavy chewers. Each monthly box is themed. Listen to these themes. They're amazing. There's Jurassic Bark, Shakespeare in the Dog Park, Sniffs from the Abyss, and more. I mean, I get just as excited as Chloe and Tucker, our dogs, when BarkBox arrives because it is so fun to see them sniffing through all of their new toys and treats. And we have to make sure that Conley doesn't intercept them. Don't worry, dog moms and dads. All the treats are made in the USA or Canada without corn, soy, or wheat, so your fur babies are getting top quality snacks. If your pup has discerning tastes and turns his nose up to anything in the box, BarkBox will send 
send you something else for free, no questions asked. Each box has over $40 worth of toys and treats, but subscriptions start at only $22 with free shipping in the continental US. For an extra month of BarkBox when you subscribe to a 6 or 12 month plan, visit BarkBox.com slash Gold Digger. That's a free extra month of BarkBox when you subscribe to a 6 or 12 month plan by going to BarkBox.com slash Gold Digger. Since we're talking about stories today with our guest, it seems so fitting that Audible helped make this show possible. Start listening with a 30-day trial and your first audiobook plus two Audible originals for free when you go to audible.com slash golddigger or text golddigger to 500-500. Now, Audible is where so many inspiring voices and compelling stories open listeners up to new experiences and ways of thinking. Dig into an autobiography and learn from inspiring minds. Press play on a new work of fiction and transport yourself into a different world. Audible is more than audiobooks, too. As a member, you'll get free daily access to the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post delivered right to your Audible app. Audible members choose three titles every month, one audiobook plus two Audible originals that you can't hear anywhere else. Just go to A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash Gold Digger or text Gold Digger to 500-500 and browse their unmatched selection of audio content. We just spent a month in Hawaii, and I focused that time on my family and myself. And I listened to the book, Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. My mom had just read it, and she said it was so good. And it was such an amazing time for me. I would go on walks with Conley, and we walked by the ocean, and I would just listen while she napped in her stroller. And I love that I can just listen and open my mind while I'm rocking her to sleep or taking her on a walk. I mean, it was just, oh, it was such a good time. Now you, you can start listening with a 30-day trial and your first audiobook plus two Audible originals for free when you go to audible.com slash golddigger or text G-O-A-L-D-I-G-G-E-R to 500-500. So one thing I was smiling is when you're talking about discrepancies, you have used that to your advantage in an interesting way doing limited edition pieces So walk Mm -hmm. me through how that came about and how that's kind of fueled your business, because that's a huge part of what you do. And also just a really fun way to shop where things are one of a kind, truly. Yeah. So we have three different collections. When I first started, I started with all one of a kind. And these were vintage fabrics that I was purchasing and repurposing into handbags. And it was, it's a tricky model. Like it is fantastic in that you can, we have this really amazing buy sell trade market that keeps the value of your products up. We have this fantastic group on Facebook now called that's our VIP group. And it has about 13,000 members, but these are like our diehard Nena love. I mean, it's our, we call it, it's our Nenaverse. We have all these made up words (laughs) because of it that they love because they found the value and so much in these one of a kind pieces that has then rolled over into like They've grown with the brand. So I have the one of a kind collection that's made from vintage pieces. Every single one is truly one of a kind. I I would say stuff like, if you like it, buy it because you'll never see that again. I mean, that when it's gone, it's gone. 
at the time, I wasn't really sure how I could recreate stuff like that. I didn't have my network of weavers. But what I also, what I learned along the way is that weaving, it's a bit of a dying art all over the world. And I also learned it's this lost language. So things that you see in the weavings aren't just like, it's not just a diamond. It's actually a symbol of creation. It's not just, you know, um, it's not just a arrow, it's a direction. You know what I mean? It's like north, south, east, west, that type of thing. So as I was learning, I was realizing there's an opportunity to preserve heritage, which is so important to me. So one of a kind, after one of a kind, I started an artisan collection, which is made on a footloom. So I talk about preserving culture and heritage. And I talk about that because it's important to me that I started these other lines that gave opportunities to weavers to continue what they're doing. And it's something they love. So losing their traditions of weaving and things that have been passed on, not in school, not online, but literally by their mother and their grandmother and their great grandmother, that's really important to them. Traditions are really important. And so I realized I needed to do something to get my customer to care about that because I needed to give them that work. It couldn't just be the vintage finds, which of course we all love. It had to be something new, something that moved the local economy. So I started my artisan collection, which is fabric woven by the yard on a footloom. And we Everything we do is actually limited edition, to be honest. So our one of a kind, every single one is one of a kind. So it's like limited, but we also have our artisan collection and we do one every single month. And we only do, we do a small amount of yards from like, you know, 300 yards to 700 yards. It just depends on what we think the popularity is going to be of the fabric. But, and then our third collection is, it's called Heritage and Society. And it's kind of, I call it our Bohemian Couture line because, I mean, really all of them are because every single detail is made by hand and touched by a human. And there's so much work that has gone into it. But that one really, that one focuses on women that loom on a backstrap. So the woman is traditionally kneeling down. She's like hoisted herself to a pole or a tree with the thread. And that's how she retains the tension on the, the thread to actually design a, a pattern and turn it into a piece of fabric. And that's how traditional Mayan shirts are made. So that's actually how the one of a kind pieces actually started, you know, five or 10 years before I brought it to market on our website. So that line is called Heritage and Society because it's their heritage and it's changing and it's for our society, but also like the societies they have there too. And that one focuses on symbols and so much meaning. So I've just done a ton of research on the different symbolisms that I've found in my traditional Mayan weavings. And a lot of it is not written down. Like it's hard to find. So a lot of it, I've had to just do so many interviews with our master weavers asking them like, I love, you know, your blouse. Like, tell me what that means because the symbols mean because the shirts they're wearing, the repeals dictate, they tell a story. They literally tell me, so if we were to put it in context of the United States, if everyone in Utah wore shirts that had mountains on it, but I love green. So of course I, I do my mountains in green and my friend is in Utah and she does them in red, but she loves mountains. You know, we're, we're all different, but you know, we're from Utah. 
And if, you know, in California, everybody wears shirts with waves. And so, you know, everybody's different. So some waves are bigger and smaller and different colors, but I know you guys are from Utah. So they're literally like, you know, symbols of where you're from and your heritage that there's, they usually do sunbeams, rays of sun around their neckline. That is a symbol of, you know, a higher power. And I mean, there's so much. So I thought I had to preserve that storytelling, that language. And so once a month, we drop a really special bag and they're numbered. They're usually, you know, it's Heritage and Society number one. And we'll give it some sort of, you know, the name, we'll give it a description, but those are probably the most exclusive, most precious, because it is giving a lot of work to a lot of people. It's preserving a tradition and it's preserving a lost language. So that one's probably my favorite collection, but it's all limited edition. And it's crazy because it's so much work. It's so much work for my team here in the US for me because you have to dig deep every time to tell tell the story and tell it well so that people cannot just look at it and be like, "Oh, that's great for you," but they can relate to, you know, personally. They can find a connection. It's not meant to be something that that like, "Oh, I, you know, that's cool for you." It's we want you to feel connected to it. I want you to feel like it has meaning to me and it had meaning to this woman that made it. That's so cool. Like I feel connected, you know? Do you find that like having the limited edition, it almost gives people a reason to purchase? Cause it's like this, once it's gone, it's gone. And I feel like not many yeah. companies nowadays do anything like that. So there's zero sense of urgency. And when people are making purchasing decisions, I don't know if you're like me, I was laughing as you were speaking. Cause I'm like, I have like eight tabs open of things I was looking at maybe buying, maybe not. I'm going to compare all these things, but it's like, yeah. you cannot compare these to anything else. And yeah. so it kind of encourages consumers to make a decision. It does. It's true. It's, it's funny because you know, my message really is keep mm -hmm. this back forever. Like, don't, this is not throwaway fashion, like treasure it. And a lot of people do. They just, some people are like, oh, I only use my nana bag <laughs> for special occasions. And on that, I'm like, no, use it all the time. Like, I promise you it's gonna, yeah. it's gonna last. Like <laughs> wear it, repair it. It works that way. But yeah, it also creates some FOMO. Like people, it, you know, businesses, we go in ebbs and flows where, you know, there's more FOMO or less FOMO and it depends on the design, but they really feel like we kind of didn't know what to do because we couldn't keep up on our website. Like it doesn't look good to not yeah. have product on your website. And I've been told that, you know, by different people that are my mentors, by, you know, different PR firms that are like, what's the point of doing this advertising if like there's mm -hmm. nothing on your website, like they need something to go to because we only drop on Fridays is what we traditionally do is every Friday there's a new release. You know, it's the new artisan or it's the new heritage and society or we drop a batch of one of a kinds. I started that way because it literally is just so hard to make these things. It is truly slow fashion. It takes so long to make that I can't just have tons of product on there all the time. And as my following grew, the demand grew. So I, I mean, it was kind of like, I was just trying to keep up with the demand and I, I couldn't. And so 
every Friday, I would just, I just made it. Okay. Every Friday, I'm not going to have like 20 bags a day. I'm going to drop on Fridays. So it looks nice and healthy mm-hmm. and we'll see when it goes. And it would just go <laughs> in seconds. I mean, seconds. And I was like, Oh, you know, it felt good. Crap. But at the same time, I was like, yeah, like what am I supposed to do with the rest of the week? Like there's nothing to sell. And so Because it was just me, and I think people should know this too, who are starting their own business. I started with $6,000 that my husband, Jeremy, and I decided we could could lose and not look back on and it would be fine. I started with $6,000 and started like, I built my own website myself on Squarespace. I designed my own logo. I do have a little bit of graphic design background, but I didn't have a camera set up. And so I used an iPhone to take photos. I scanned old photos of my parents when they were in Guatemala to give it kind of like this vintage vibe and used it on my website. And I mean, I was doing it all myself. I was, I was shipping, I was doing customer (laughs) service from my garage. I was getting on my husband's motorcycles in the morning and backing them out of the garage so I could set up my shipping table. So I had room to actually like take photos of bags and stuff like that. But yeah, like I would receive product in my garage and photograph every single one, which is another kind of crazy thing with one of a kind products. You literally are taking thousands of photos, you know, now, and it's gone on, you know, (laughs) like, it's like that photo. So we have now we have it's this continuous process of like, you know, we receive product, we photograph it, we put it into inventory, it gets listed on the website, and then it's, it's shipped. So one funny story is that I I was kind of like, okay, they're saying I just need something for people to look at. I don't have anything that's relevant because it's all sold out until Friday. Let's just put a photo <laughs> of a puppy on the website. So on each different collection, yeah. we'll put it just to be funny, you know, like we'll put a cute photo of a puppy and it'll say like, oops, it's we're sold out. Like come back on Friday just so that they have something to do on the website kind of thing. And then the woman I had helping me do the product page was like, I don't know how to do this without putting an actual price on it. Oh so my gosh. otherwise it can't be up there, whatever. I know. And so I was like, okay. So she goes, I put it up and they sold out. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean they sold out? And she goes, the photos of the puppies sold out. They were like $300. She put 300, yeah. you know, the price of the bag on there. <laughs> She's like, people are buying, they think it's like a mystery <laughs> bag or something. And they bought them. So, <laughs> so it's kind of like, People were just, and sometimes we still do that. Like if people know what the fabric looks like, but we don't have the bag, I'm like, just put up a photo of the swatch and let's see if people, you know, buy it. And if it does, it'll say, that's me being lazy sometimes, like end of the day on Friday. It's because it is limited and people know, like, I just, I want to get it before it's gone because it's like, we're moving on to the next artisan fabric. So And really, like we have, like I said, a really healthy buy, sell, trade market. And so people know that it's Mm -hmm. almost an investment. Like it's a safe, it's a safe purchase because we do have our return policy, but like oftentimes people are just reselling it for more than what they bought it for. So they become really these collector's items. When I'm like thinking through your business model, I'm like, you have a lot of work because With the way that you run everything, like you said, like you can do an entire shoot with these bags and then like they're gone. And now you need to like 
keep replenishing and rejuvenating. How has it looked as you've scaled your business? Because when we collaborated years and years and years ago, I'm pretty sure I had like 10,000 followers Mm -hmm. and I don't even remember what you had, (laughs) but like, as you said, yeah, as you said, as you've grown and (laughs) you know, obviously I've grown, what has been the biggest Mm -hmm. challenge and what has been the biggest gift? Yeah. So definitely the biggest challenge has been scaling. And we kind of talked about that already. I love one of a kind, but scaling to have artisans that make new fabrics, that was really years and years of like pounding the pavement. And the barrier to entry to doing what I'm doing is really high. I literally, you can't just get online and say, you know, weavers that do this technique, like list them so I can contact them and call them and just have them send me samples. I literally have spent, you know, weeks and months and years of my life just going to Guatemala and going to the most remote villages to find weavers that do a certain technique and that, that want to work, that want, that are willing to put into the work that it takes to grow their own businesses. And so I think that that has been one of the hardest parts to scaling on that side, on the creative side is growing my network of weavers because they are. So for example, even in Guatemala, where the national language is Spanish. I would go to these villages and I'd be, you know, I'd give them a heads up and say, you know, I want to meet with all your weavers and, you know, let's gather together. I'll be here at this, you know, so-and-so's house and everybody come. And so I'm just kind of getting to know them because I learned that you need to ask questions and you need to get to know them. You need to know what their situations are. And so I'm doing that. I'm doing my thing and I'm just getting blank stares. There's only like a couple of people that are like really nodding at me and I can tell her understanding what I'm saying. And so finally my mom was with me. My mom's also my business partner. And she goes, wait a second, we need to ask them how many speak Spanish. And so we ask, there was like 25 women, only two of them spoke Spanish. There's about, I think there's over 25 dialects in Guatemala. So they all, you know, Kechikel, Kechi. I mean, there's so, so these are the hard things about working with indigenous people is that, it's, uh, they don't have the technology, the education, and part of what I feel is what I want to do is provide them with those opportunities for growth and education and if they want it and if that's something yeah. they want. That's probably the hardest thing, growing, scaling, and doing it with authenticity and staying true to the brand. The best thing has been getting to know them, getting to know the stories, getting to know what their life situation was when I first met them versus it almost makes me want to cry. And I even thought about this. I'm like, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry when I talk to Jenna about like <laughs> the weavers and the women. Cry, <laughs> <let> it <laughs> but knowing where they've come from and where they are now and going to their homes and seeing, you know, them welcome me with open arms and to say, did you see the bowl outside of my house? Like that's, he's new. Did you see this extra room that we've been able to build for my sister? Like that's new. You know, did you see, it's like, that's what really keeps me going. And I like to tell people when they get into this kind of business to know what your why is, because it's so hard. Mm -hmm. It's so hard when you're putting so much heart in and something goes wrong or like there's an upset customer that wants to let everyone online on every platform know (laughs) what's, you know, why they're Mm -hmm. mad. You have to know your why and remember, because it's really easy to give up when it gets hard. 
But when you know your why, and for me, it's like these women and men that their lives are changing and, and I'm seeing their children grow up. It's like, that is my why. And my why has evolved a little bit since I've been able to grow my community here in the USA with our, we have this private page on Facebook for, I think I mentioned it earlier, our VIP, our VIP groups, our customers that like want to know more, want more exclusive offers, want to connect. We have one event a year. Everything's e-commerce. We don't do wholesale. You can only purchase Nena products directly from us, or you, I guess, you know, you could go to buy, sell, trade and buy it from other people, but individuals. But we started doing, this is another thing I would suggest for brands that are only online. Have a warehouse sale or do something, an event, a pop-up shop where you can meet your customers face-to-face, shake their hands, hug them, whatever, get to know them because you can have your avatar and you should have your avatar. But once you have that experience of seeing and knowing your customers, it like changes everything. It changed everything for me. Like to see them love the product was huge. So now we actually, with this group, we like to say it's not just about the bags. It's about it. It's a community because we've organized these, like we call them these chills <laughs> across the country, but also, I mean, we have them in Canada and Germany and all over the world. And it's a place where women, you know, they come together and we have similar values. Like they're compassionate, they're giving, they're funny. They care about the process of how their products are made. They're different values that we, we actually got together on a live. I got together with them and said, let's come up with values for this group, for this, because we're on here chatting all the time. It's also a place where they can talk to me directly and I can give them feedback on stuff that's happening. It's not so much like, can you tell me about my order, but more like inspiration for colorways and different programs we're offering in Guatemala or Morocco or whatever. Like it's kind of like higher level stuff that I like to talk about on there with them. But I've gotten to know my customers in like a whole other way. And they're organizing themselves in different states and cities and getting together and they're they're meeting each other in real life where they've met online to find that they have common values and really like build these friendships and bonds with each other. And it's been, I've just loved reading stories about like, you know, I've been going through this hard thing and like my, my Nana sisters, my Nana community has really like kept me going. And that's something that I never would have like, my brain would have never gone there. So now we have like a community in the US that's not just about bags. It's about like a friendship and kind of like values and values that we have in common. And man, we've raised so much money together with this community to make a difference in different programs, like domestically here in the USA and abroad in Guatemala. Like it's just become so much more. So those are the two best things, like the people here in the USA, my customers and the men and women I work with out of the country in Guatemala and all over the world. Mm, so good. Oh my gosh. Okay. So where can everybody find you and connect with you? What are the places to search for online? You can go to www.nenaandco.com. And a lot of people say Nina, but it's Nena and that's okay. I don't mind. <laughs> Nena actually means it's a Spanish word for like darling or baby girl. But you can also find us on Instagram and on Facebook with the same handle, Nena and Co. 
And we'd love to have you. Like, I'd love to have you take a look around and tell me what you think. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I know I value my bags. They are like my little babies. I've had that one for like six, seven years now. Um, And you just sent a beautiful new one that I'm so excited to use. So thank you for adding so much joy and meaning to my world as well. I loved being on here. Thank you for this. Isn't Allie just such a joy? I loved our conversation today and getting to hear some of the behind the scenes of the beautiful products that Nana and Co. puts out. I love Allie's heart and her desire to really make a difference, not just in the lives of her customers, but in the lives of every single person who encounters the story behind Nana and Co. Trust me, you're going to see my Nana and Co. popping up now that your eyes are attuned to the beauty of what she creates. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for hitting play on another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. Thank you for letting these amazing women have their voices be heard all throughout the world. And thank you to people like Allie who are out there using their businesses to change lives. Until next time, Gold Diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. Thanks for listening to the Gold Digger podcast. Dive into the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. The more the merrier. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time, you gold digger you.